Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a lovely day here in Salzburg, Austria, and welcome back to another episode of Third Gear, a Formula One racing podcast. I'm Katie Egan, a marketing major with a passion for Formula One, and on this week's episode, let's talk about the past four races of the season. The championship can only be won by one! And it's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to Third Gear with Keg Egan. All of your F1 news, all in one place. Episodes every other Thursday at 3. Firstly, I would like to thank Charlie Moore for that amazing introduction that he gave for the podcast. I really appreciate him working on that for me. And second of all, I would like to apologize for the lack of uploading on my behalf. These past few weeks, I've been focusing on finishing out my year at university as well as working a lot more, so I haven't really had the time to dedicate to the podcast as I would have liked. And then if you follow up with my Instagram story, you've probably seen that I was planning on uploading last week, but I ran into some technical difficulties with uh, not only recording the podcast on the road, but also editing, and it was just going to have to wait until I got home from my travels. So I like to appreciate all of you, um, say thank you for, you know, putting up with me for your patience with this. I hope that after this episode, I will be back to my bi-weekly scheduled podcast episodes featuring race reviews, special guests, and fun games in the future. This is my fourth time actually recording this episode. It was just a mess of technical difficulties. I mean, from mics dying to all of a sudden just my phone is not recording anymore. And then I had some weird distortion and sort of jumping coming from the mics, uh, picking up some loud ringing and things. So it was really difficult to listen to. And as much as I wanted to upload the audio that I managed to get because I think there were some good points and discussion that were going on. Um, It just was not something I was proud of and I want to make sure that I'm always proud of the episodes I put out and also I don't think it would have been very enjoyable to listen to. Um, So instead I decided to wait a week, work on the episode from home with my regular equipment, with my computer, which I didn't even have before, and I'm going to sift through the third recording that I did. The first two were completely like unusable, so I don't have those recordings anymore, but with my entire family, I was able to get some recordings. I'm going to try and sift through that and piece in some audio clips throughout the episode to hopefully kind of give you an idea of what we were saying, but if it's truly like painful to listen to, then I will be sure to go ahead and cut it out. But Originally, this episode and all the topics were filmed talking with my entire family, so there were more people going on, and now, unfortunately, you'll just be able to hear mostly my opinions and how I felt about the races. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get straight into talking about the races. We're going to go ahead and briefly talk about Spain and Canada, because those were the two races prior to uh, Silverstone and Austria, and then we'll go more in-depth into those last two races. But Spain meant that we got to see a true example of these upgrades, and they definitely benefited Mercedes a lot. Uh, In fact, it gave them the ability to have a double podium in Spain. Max Verstappen finished the race in first, followed by Hamilton in second with a 24-second gap, and then George Russell behind him in third place. So the Mercedes upgrades have definitely demonstrated some improvement during the past two races, 
And by past two races, I mean Spain and Monaco, where they both were able to achieve good results and fight for positions. Despite the Mercedes doing better, the team that seemed to show us some difficulty was actually Aston Martin. Consistently throughout the season, Aston Martin, specifically Fernando Alonso, has been able to challenge for those podium positions, but unfortunately achieved a meager 7th place in the Spanish Grand Prix. The race itself wasn't all too interesting, so I don't really have much to say uh, according to that. We did get Sergio Perez being eliminated in Q2, which was odd seeing as he was eliminated in Q1 for crashing in Monaco, so seeing him not make it into Q1 and qualify in at least the top four for two races in a row was odd, and we'll see that become a trend as time continues to go on. So now let's talk about Canada. Canada had Max Verstappen winning once again, with Fernando Alonso now in second place, his highest finish of the season, and Lewis Hamilton in third. We had two DNFs this race from Russell and Sargent. Russell had a touch with the wall, which then caused him to have to retire his car later on after more issues kept arising from it. But Canada itself also didn't bring too much excitement. There was no dramatic racing or points positions or things like that. Norris did some pretty good overtaking as he received some upgrades from the McLaren team that have not yet been put on Oscar Piastri's car at the time of the Canadian Grand Prix. But we did get to see some great qualifying from Nico Hulkenberg, who has been demonstrating some better racing, specifically better qualifying more so than races themselves, as he qualified in second place for the race. Unfortunately, he's definitely had some tough results during the past few races, so we'll hope to see that improve as well. Now that's our brief overview of Spain and Canada, let's go ahead and talk about Austria. This was my first time ever attending a race in person, so it was actually incredibly exciting, and I got to experience it firsthand, so I get to talk about that, the actual race itself, and then of course the experience. So let's go ahead and start off by talking about the race weekend. We had the only practice session of the weekend and qualifying taking place on Friday with the sprint shootout and the sprint on Saturday and then the actual race itself on Sunday. Qualifying had Max Verstappen in first, Charles Leclerc in second, and Carlos Sainz in third for the actual race, whereas the sprint shootout had Max Verstappen in first, Sergio Perez in second, and Lando Norris in third. Something quick to note about that, this is now the third race in a row where Sergio Perez hasn't made it into Q1. He qualified in 15th for the Austrian Grand Prix, despite qualifying well for the sprint. The sprint results had Max Verstappen winning the race with Sergio Perez in second and Carlos Sainz in third. Some other pretty well-scored drivers, we had Nico Hulkenberg finish in sixth and earning himself three points for the championship. The actual race itself had Max Verstappen winning the race with Charles Leclerc in second and Sergio Perez in third, making a pretty large comeback off of his P15 start. An unfortunate race for Hulkenberg. He unfortunately was forced to retire the car for an engine issue pretty quickly on into the race. Heartbreaking for my brother, who's a Hulkenberg fan, but we hope to see him do better in future races any words from our resident Haas fan patty i cried yeah a few tears were shed blew up right in front of my eyes we got to see an amazing fight between 
Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz as that battle for third place. Carlos Sainz fought incredibly well for that third place position, but unfortunately for him, the Red Bull is just that much quicker and Sergio Perez was able to secure that last podium position. Good for him. Alpin always seems, has lately seemed to always be around that 10th and final point position, and that's pretty good from a Williams perspective. I think he's showing that he's a quality racer. We also got to see a little bit of a fight between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc after Max pitted and came out behind him. It was a brief spat between Leclerc and Verstappen. It didn't last very long, but it was there. there. It's entertaining. Verstappen was able to build quite the gap into the race, and it was enough so that when he got to the last lap, he wanted to pit for softs so that he could get the fastest lap at the end there. The fastest lap was previously held by his teammate Sergio Perez. Originally, the team kind of said it was just too risky, it wouldn't be worth it, but took some convincing and it got done. The pit stop went well. There's a pretty short pit stop time stint for the cars in Austria so Max who was leading I think by 24 or 23 seconds was able to come out ahead of Leclerc and win the race as well as achieving that fastest lap point where he got the triple crown of qualifying on pole winning the race and receiving the fastest lap as well as he also won the sprint race and qualified pole for that so pretty much a dominant weekend for Max Verstappen Like I said earlier, I was there, so it was super exciting to watch live. I mean, definitely it was a really pretty country, and there was just a great place to watch the race because you could see so many, like from where we were sitting, you could see pretty much from turn, you know, the crest of after turn one all the way up to three, and then you'd get the full inner loop. And then you could even catch a little bit of what final corner. Final corner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it. It'll be interesting to watch it on recording and see how it compares to what we remember. I myself am a Max Verstappen fan. I've liked him since I started watching the sport back in 2016. So it was super fun. I felt like honored to be there. I was among all these other. Orange Army, Max fans, watching the race, and it was totally incredible. I mean, like, even from before the race started, I was able to watch Formula 3, Formula 2, Super Cup. They brought out some old racing cars and had some Red Bull legends drive them around the track, like Mark Webber, uh, David Coulthard, Helmut Markham drove one of the cars, which was crazy. Yes, Verstappen drove one of the cars. So quite the quite the handful of notable names there. They also had some pre-race exciting events to watch, like air shows and uh, helicopter shows and things like that. I mean, it was there were even like guys on jetpacks. It was amazing. It was so so fun. I thought the Formula Twos were kind of there was some good racing in the Formula Twos, and they were interesting sounding. They backfired a lot going down that stretch every time they upshifted, I think, right? When they were upshifting, there was a pop. That or just in general. Or just in general, there was loud pops, almost like firecrackers. I didn't downshifting know that they too. Um, the race itself is super exciting to watch live. You just don't know where to look. I was sitting in between turns one and two on that long straight, so I got to see 
like pretty much the race start early battles and looking across we were able to see that big banked turn in front of the big red bull statue and the orange army seats you even got to see like the tail end of that final corner and i mean really it was awesome i didn't know where to look at any point i wasn't sure if i should look right in front of me at the banked turn at the screens you could see the reflection of the starting grid and start finish line in the reflection of the of the pit wall it was pretty cool i mean it was awesome i will say once you once the race sort of gets well in underway and specifically maybe so because it was such a short track like austria once the drivers started lapping people it became kind of difficult to know who you were watching because you really can't see the numbers that clearly as they're driving past you at like 250 kilometers an hour you know, I think you mentioned like the when they started lapping cars and if you were like trying to see who was coming next or where let's say I was trying to follow Sargent just because I wanted to you know, I was hoping he was gonna have a really good race where he maybe lucked into a final point scoring position or whatever. And it was hard to kind of follow because of the the lapping. And they're also dispersed. So I think you, that's definitely something that the TV does a good job of kind of helping focus. It was really helpful, actually, the Mercedes have, you know, if you've noticed, George Russell has like blue highlights and details on his car where Hamilton has some neon yellow and it makes it much easier to identify them. It was, it was most, it was, I mean, I have no complaints about it. It was amazing. Um, at no point at any time did I ever know what anyone was saying. I mean, like, they have these loudspeakers playing the race. But you can't really hear the drivers, and most of the commentary was in German. And the screens don't show, like, what a TV screen shows, per se. It shows scenes from the race, and then it has the driver order, and then the time all of the times were off of the leader so it was never like the gap between drivers it was always off leader so if you had to figure out if someone was in drs you just had to do a little bit of math and then they would put the penalties if there was a penalty it would say it on the screen but no fastest lap there were team radios i just couldn't really hear them that well yeah it was amazing it was so cool i mean i've never experienced anything like that before and i can't wait to experience it again in the future it was such an exciting race for me and i was able to run on the track and go watch the podium like it was it was awesome it was so cool oh my gosh i can't believe oh my god i can't believe it Ah, that's so cool anyway okay should we yeah let's let's move on let's talk about silverstone now when i originally recorded these episodes silverstone hadn't happened yet so we were just making some predictions, and then we ended up watching the race together, so I'll talk about what happened in the race. I'll compare them to our predictions, and then we'll talk about who's been improving. We'll also talk about silly season a little bit, because we have some exciting news that happened a few days ago. So let's go ahead and start off by talking about Silverstone. Silverstone had a normal race weekend schedule, with the three practice sessions qualifying and the race. The circuit is one of the most famous, I think, in Formula One. It held the first Grand Prix back in 1950 in the inaugural season. And I think it's probably one of the most exciting circuits on the calendar. Um, Also in upcoming news for Silverstone, uh, Brad Pitt will be racing, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the race, but he'll be there. Formation lap? Insulation. Insulation, okay. Which I'm kind of surprised about that 
it's not going to, like, I'm surprised it's even occurring during a race weekend, in all honesty. I thought that they would just let him use the track and do some movie magic for the rest of it. I'm like, surprised. I, I, I find it very hard to believe. Be He's too big buff. It's also not a Formula One driver. <laughs> but they designed a car, fictional car, for the movie that he's filming about formula one it'll be really interesting to see what it is going to be about we really got to see some teams upgrades in use here and for once it seems like maybe there might be someone to compete with a red bull which is super exciting before we go let's go ahead and make our predictions for the upcoming stone grand prix qualifying do you want like top three okay uh well max for seven i don't think it'll be in first Qualifying on pole second. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Leclerc and then third Sainz. And is there anyone you think is gonna be like a shock knockout? Um, George Russell. I don't think he's gonna make it to Q3. All right, George Russell. All right, and then race results. Race results. Top three podium. Uh, Max Verstappen will probably win. Uh, Hamilton, I think, will find himself happily in second place and then Leclerc will come home third. Alright, and race uh fastest lap will go to Max Verstappen. And driver of the day. Um I'm gonna give it to Lance Stroll. Anyone's gonna crash out? If it's anybody, it'll probably be uh I'm gonna say either Sergeant or DeFreeze. Cooper. Who is qualifying on the top three for you? Verstappen first, Leclerc second, Alonso third. Okay, and then race result for the podium. Red Bull one, two, Max Verstappen winning, Perez second, third, Leclerc. Okay, and then DHL fastest lap is going to? Verstappen. And driver of the day? Norris. All right, and Dad, who... Is qualifying in pole second and third. Uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, and I'm with Cooper. I think Alonso gets the third. I think Aston's upgrade will get him the three and do well. Okay. And any surprise knockouts? I'm just going to keep going with that Sergio Perez. Fifth race in a row. Ride the train. Ride the train. All right. <laughs> See how long he's, he's got to see if he can break that his uh, bad luck streak. But I, I could see it happening again. All right, and race results for the podium. I think it's going to be Verstappen, Leclerc, and uh, Alonso. And DHL fastest lap. I'm actually going to say in this instance Norris gets it. Like he has a window late in the race and goes and gets the fastest lap. Driver of the day? Norris. Who do you think is going to qualify in the top three? Matt. Perez and Leclerc. What about the actual race? Podium. Podium. I, I do think Lewis Hamilton will make it on the podium. And I'm gonna both root for a Williams car to get into the points. <laughs> Not a podium, but the points. Well, driver of the day. 
I think I like my dad best. Norris. Norris? Yeah. All right. Nice. Okay. And then I'm going to say the, pod- or the qualifying results are going to have Max on pole with uh, Charles Leclerc in second and Carlos Sainz in third. The race results are probably going to have Max Verstappen win, but I think Carlos Sainz is going to get second. And then I think Lando Norris is going to get third. We're going to have a Carlando podium. Um, I think the fastest lap is going to go to Max. And I think the driver of the day will go to Lando Norris as well. So let's first talk about qualifying. I mean, the qualifying session was surreal. I was the whole time I was like, no way. Uh, so it started off with a little pit incident from Verstappen running into the wall. They were able to just quickly change that wing and send him out. But in the first qualifying session, we saw Sergio Perez get eliminated again, which makes this his fifth race in a row, not making it to Q1. This has become a pretty like it's a pretty popular topic of discussion. I think amongst the race world, is something going to happen regarding these? Poor qualifying sessions, is it just like a weird streak? Is it going to continue? Is he losing his edge? What's going on? Like, Perez has proved that he is a great racer and has so much talent in this car, specifically in the Red Bull car, which has thrown so many of the drivers that have tried to drive it in the past. And yet, somehow, he's just underperforming immensely. Like, not even in the race, in qualifying. So it's definitely really odd to be seeing it. But... Besides that, like, the rest of the session is just such good news all around. Logan Sargent qualified in 14th, which was super fun. Then, moving into the top 10, we had both McLarens, one, two, they were in second and third. Yeah, this is the team that went from competing for no points, I mean, they were in, like, 17th and 18th for the first three races of the season, maybe. And now they're on the podium for qualifying, the front row. So crazy. This is Norris's second time qualifying in the top three this season. So it's definitely showing that the McLaren upgrades are really benefiting this team, which is so fun. I, like, I'm, (laughs) I was thrilled. I was like, no way. No way this is happening. This is so fun. So then we move on to the actual race. Right away, on the first lap, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri get a beautiful start. I mean, like, insane. If Oscar Piastri had somewhere to go, he would have been breezing by Max Verstappen. But, unfortunately, there just wasn't enough room on the track for all three of them. So, going into the first turn, we had Lando Norris pulling out in first with Max Verstappen in second and Oscar Piastri in third. There were no crazy incidents like there were last year with the Zhou Guan Yu accident, but there was definitely some excitement. We got to see, obviously, Sergio Perez was making his way through the field. We also saw Alex Albon perform incredibly well with a P8 finish. We had a few bad luck drivers, uh, Esteban Ocon and Kevin Magnussen both had to retire their car, and poor Pierre Gasly, man. He was doing pretty well. Pierre Gasly was battling for points positions alongside Lance Stroll, where he was unfortunately taken out by the driver, who received a penalty, but um, unfortunately it meant that Gasly had to retire the race. But as the race came to an end, Max Verstappen finished in first only four seconds ahead of Lando Norris, 
who was then followed by third place finisher Lewis Hamilton, meaning there were two Brits on the podium for their home races, which is super exciting. And Oscar Piastri managed to finish fourth, which is also super exciting. So an amazing race from Lando Norris. He did so well, not only battling Max at the beginning, but also defending from Hamilton at the end. I mean, it was it was a stunner to watch for sure. What a fun race. We got to see the McLaren upgrades in their full glory, really pushing, doing well, keeping up with the Red Bull. I mean, the Red Bull didn't pull away that entire race. I mean, the past like three finishes, Max has finished by like 25, 30 seconds. Not the case now. So that is fun. I like that. It also meant it was the 11th win in a row for Red Bull and actually no other team has won a race yet this season so we'll see if that changes also <laughs> i think that's pretty much the main thing let's see awesome race from norris albon oh can't even i hope i wish albon the world i hope he does so well <laughs> all right so yes silverstone amazing i it was such a good race my favorite race of the season actually probably uh might be monaco and then silverstone so far so yeah Great. Super fun race. Let's start talking about some improvements and some regressions from teams and drivers as of the season so far. We're about halfway through with summer break coming up in two races. I want to go ahead and start off with Charles and Carlos. I think that they've been improving. I don't want to necessarily say Ferrari yet, but I think that them as drivers are improving. They're definitely making more of the calls than their teams are. And the team, their results are starting to show a bit more consistency throughout the races. Although I don't think they're really necessarily good finishes or where they belong. They're definitely improving a bit in pace and results. And at least showing consistency of not screwing over their drivers as as much. They definitely are a little bit. But I think that, the, that Carlos and Charles have definitely been showing some improvement from the past few races even, to definitely qualifying better. Typically during the races, they tend to fall down a few positions, kind of have some poor strategy and poor luck, especially signs in Britain after having that safety car and still being on those hard tires. I mean, it was unfortunate to watch him drop positions. Um, And they definitely were able to demonstrate that in Austria, specifically with um, Carlos doing so well to defend against the Red Bull of Sergio Perez, um, even though it didn't really end up in his favor, it was still impressive feat from him. And then Charles finishing in second. And despite not really being close to Max Verstappen's Red Bull, he was able to keep a pretty consistent second place at all times. Like He was, he was never at risk never of losing that. Yeah. He was clearly the second fastest person there, for sure. So... There's definitely been some sort of hiccups in their incline, but I do think they're at a sort of steady, low incline. It's definitely not steep, but they're getting there, I hope. Some teams that are definitely improving is Mercedes, especially like Monaco, Britain, Canada. They're really they're really showing some improvement, I, and Spain even. I think Austria was the only race in the past five races where they've kind of fallen off a little bit, but... Ever since they put in those upgrades, they've definitely been fighting for podium positions, which is super exciting. It's good to see them fighting for that again. Then, of course, we have to talk about McLaren improving. These past 
two, three races, basically, since Spain. Incredible improvement, especially from Lando Norris, but he had the upgrades prior to Oscar Piastri obtaining them. In Spain, Lando Norris, although he didn't have a very good race, he definitely showed that he had the pace during qualifying when he qualified in third. And then we got to see, obviously, in Austria, he was able to fight well against Lewis Hamilton for a while there and finished pretty decently up. And then we were just just finalized that these McLaren upgrades were great after Silverstone um, with not only high qualifying in second and third, but also high finishing places in second and fourth. Like, it's amazing the turnaround that McLaren has been able to produce from their cars from the beginning of the season. So they've definitely shown improvement, and I can only hope that they continue to throughout the rest of the season. The last team I'm going to talk about that's improving is Williams. I think that Williams has actually definitely been improving, more so Alex Albon than Logan Sargent, but Alex is definitely a more seasoned, he's had the experiences, but he's been performing that Williams so well, and that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, Williams is arguably the lowest performing car on that grid, maybe not right now anymore, but they were for a while. And Alex has been consistently fighting for that last podium point, or even now with these past few races, kind of into the points like eighth, seventh. He's been an amazing defender against others trying to get those positions from him. And he's, even though he's not, you know, fighting and overtaking as much, he's defending so well. And it's definitely shown that the Williams is able to at least hold a pace. That makes it more competitive. So I think that Williams has been improving quite a lot also. Williams Williams definitely did an upgrade for Canada because they were saying that they targeted the Canadian Grand Prix because it suits their car. And that was the one where Albon drove a really good race and was able to hold back, I think, Ocon. They were um, specifically Fernando Alonso consistently finishing in that third place podium position. I mean, it was shocking, honestly, to see that Aston Martin so fast. And the past few races, they haven't finished on the podium, but they haven't even really kind of come close. They've been sort of hanging around those lower points positions. So I don't know if this is Aston Martin having not really performed any upgrades yet and the other cars that are now beating them having received some sort of upgrade or if that first like fourth of the season was kind of a fluke for the team like how did they get up there and is this now everyone kind of shifting to where they should be um i think they'll be pushing for podiums again but i don't think it'll come as easy as it may have done in the past I don't know, but I I do like seeing Aston Martin doing so well. I really love Fernando Alonso, and I really like Lance Stroll, so I hope that they continue to be fighting for podium positions and doing well, but they definitely haven't been um, really making their mark on the past few races like they had in the first quarter of the season. The last driver I'm going to talk about for regression is Sergio Perez. He has had five poor qualifying results in a row, not making it past Q2. Now, some of them were just sort of bad luck with timing for weather, but some of them have also just been driver fault. Austria was track limits. Monaco, it was a shunned. I believe Spain was also, he, he went into the gravel and was unable to get out. That might have been Canada. It was one of those two. 
so yeah, it's been very odd to see him down there, but it's also becoming too consistent where it begins to get worrying, you know? One of the things I talked about with my family when we recorded this episode, which I'll try to include some bits of conversation from, is is his seat in danger? I think he's choking a little bit. No, I, I think there's some truth to that. I think like he's not as fast as Max, and he has to push to try and stay close to him, and sometimes is pushing beyond what he's capable of. That's that's what I think is happening, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But if he keeps qualifying poorly, they'll probably be a change next year, I would think. Vote Ricardo in the car. Yes. Danny V. We haven't seen anybody be competitive with Max since he left. We saw Gasly. He was dreadful. Albon was Albon, getting there, but unlucky. they didn't. I think he was unlucky, and they didn't give him a long time to get They no didn't give him enough time at all. Literally. He couldn't get a handle of that car. I mean, it was so difficult to drive to. It wasn't even like it's the car that it is today. Chevrolet Plus has definitely been the first car, the first driver to be anywhere close to Max in the past few years and been able to compete with him and win races. He certainly doesn't come through the field like Max does. I think I think there's an option for one more year. Okay. He's in a gray area right now. I don't think it's going to happen this year because they're if Perez keeps doing what he's doing. He's going to get kicked to the curb. And then I don't think Yuki's ready. And DeFreeze might not even. He, he's, no closer, he's closer. He's closer. Yeah. Yeah. Kicked to the curb than anybody else. Unfortunately. Uh, I like to that say might be where, That might be where Ricardo goes if they keep it. Ricardo steps in for a year. And if he does well, maybe they extend him and keep Yuki down. Or Yuki goes somewhere else. But maybe they just have a, a Ricardo fill in year. Red Bull has kind of been known to sort of shove the person out of that second seat as soon as they start not performing where they are expected to be in the past with Ox Albon and Pierre Gasly trying to do their best in that second seat. And it, that car does not, in the past more so than it does now, but that car did not really suit a lot of drivers. Now, as Red Bull being the top team at the moment and not having both of their drivers be consistently competing each other is i think a cause for concern um when asked about it christian warner said that they don't intend to replace perez or anything like that but spoiler alert if you haven't checked instagram or any sort of news about formula one in the past two days he also said that they weren't planning on replacing nick devries and they just replaced nick devries with daniel ricardo something that you might hear about in a second from my family is we talked about how they might be looking to move Yuki Tsunoda into that seat. Yuki has definitely improved as a driver. I mean, in the past season, two seasons, he's definitely matured a bit. He's gotten better control of his car, and he's kind of, I think, had some bad luck. He's should be performing more in the points, I think, than he is, but that was something we talked about. You know, are they thinking about maybe replacing him at the end of the season? What's What is going to go on there? But now with Daniel Ricciardo's replacement... My dad thinks this, and I think it might be something to think about, is that they're going to put Daniel Ricciardo in that AlphaTauri. Whoever's the fastest of the two of them might move up and replace Sergio Perez at the end of the season, but only time will tell. Maybe it was just a weird streak, and Perez is going to do absolutely brilliantly and hungry. Who knows? It is definitely worrying 
to see such a top driver in such a good car performing so lowly and i like perez i think he's an amazing driver and he's so talented and he's proven that he's good at driving this red bull so i i'm concerned about why he's performing so low um and i do hope that he can get sort of back to where he should be it's definitely a a question of will he be replaced if he doesn't shape up and very soon you know five races in a row that's starting to get kind of consistent if you ask me Then, lastly, let's talk a little bit more about things that have occurred after the race. The big news is Daniel Ricciardo replacing Nick DeVries at AlphaTauri. I mean, I really like Nick DeVries. I feel for him. He did so well last year when he stood in for Alex Albon, but if he hasn't been performing as well as the team would have liked, it's kind of what Red Bull is known for, you know, shape up or shape out kind of thing. And as much as it hurts to see someone who I think is very talented and has a lot of potential, leave the seat. I, I mean, everyone, everyone knows. I love Daniel Ricciardo. Like, he is, when I started watching this sport, I actually, Daniel Ricciardo was my number one driver over Max Verstappen. I loved Daniel, but he unfortunately left Red Bull and joined Renault, which at the time was my younger brother's team. My younger brother rooted for Renault, and my whole family has just kind of always picked a different team from one another and we don't jump ship I guess if that makes sense so like my older brother's the Ferrari fan my younger brother is was the Renault fan but is now a Haas fan he's a Hulkenberg fan then my mom likes Williams and Alex Albon and my dad likes Aston Martin so we've kind of picked our teams and we sat with them and when Daniel left Red Bull I was like all right well I'm a Max Verstappen fan now (laughs) but maybe if Daniel Ricciardo moves up to Red Bull, then my 2016 Daniel Ricciardo merch is going to become relevant, and I cannot wait for the day that that happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, Daniel Ricciardo replacing Nick DeVries, pretty dramatic, pretty silly, silly season. I love Daniel Ricciardo, so I really like am praying to God that he does so well, because I my heart will be broken if he doesn't. So yeah, Daniel was able to test the RB19 at Silverstone this past week, and Horner said that he did incredibly well, was competitive, all that stuff. So I'm hoping that he's able to bring that spirit to AlphaTauri. And, you know, we haven't seen the AlphaTauri perform all that well, so I hope that the car doesn't make him underperform. The Red Bull suited his driving style more so than McLaren did, so I'm hoping that at least he'll be able to perform as well as he can. Has Max already won the championship? Do we think that there's anyone able to challenge him, and even if not for the championship, for any races this season at all? There'll be somebody that wins it, or somebody else will win a race before the end of the year. Unless his car suffers catastrophic failures (laughs) at every race, he will... He's pretty much already wrapped it up. He'll probably set the record for fastest championship win. If anyone is going to start taking some race wins from him, who do we expect it to be? Leclerc Perez. Leclerc Perez. Yeah. Yeah. I think Leclerc, and I don't think, honestly, Perez is going to win much. I don't, I don't, unless something weird happens, like, I think Leclerc is going to be most likely to win a race outside of Verstappen. Like, 
Um, Maybe depending on the circumstances, if Aston Martin's upgrades turn out to be good. Maybe Alonso. Because you have to have the driver. I would love to have Alonso win a race. You have to have a driver that's good enough. One, and so that's going to be like Alonso, Hamilton, Leclerc. And then if any of anybody, I think if anybody other than that wins, it's going to be if something happens to Max and there's some weird, unusual thing like Hungary with uh, Ocon a while back or Monza with Monza Gasly. with Gasly or something. Or it's going to be like a weird, a, a red flag thing. That's pretty much all I'm going to be talking about today. I want to thank you all so much for listening and for putting up with me these past few weeks of no content. Coming soon, I do have a little vlog that I made of my Austria Grand Prix experience, but... As I was editing it, I realized I'm maybe, I think, the worst vlogger on the planet. It was so bad. (laughs) It was so bad. So I'm going to post it, and hopefully it'll just be kind of funny. I mean, I took, like, six videos the entire time. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, like, vlog the experience, and I'll make a nice, like, 15-minute YouTube video about it. It's, like, four minutes that's the amount of content that I and it's like a two second panorama basically of where I am standing it's so bad it's so bad so I'm gonna try and kind of like f around with it a little bit we're gonna try and make it somewhat enjoyable for you to watch but that'll be coming I don't know when as soon as I'm done with it I guess it's it's so bad I'm so sorry I thought it was gonna be so cool and so good and I suck at it I'll get better at vlogging I promise But yes, thank you again so much for listening. I will see you guys for another episode in two weeks where we'll be talking about Hungary, which is the next race of the season. So I'll see you guys for the Hungara ring, and then we'll talk about how that race went, as well as preparing for Spa, which is a a track I have a love-hate relationship with. Yeah, hopefully next time I might have some special guests join me so it's not just me talking to myself. I feel like it's more enjoyable when I have someone to kind of like banter off. I know I wanted to get my friends who helped me with the humbling Formula One drivers episode to come back on it. I really, I can't thank you all enough for listening. Yeah, everybody have a lovely day. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you guys in two weeks.